Hey guys, I'm Justin. And I'm Nikki. And welcome to another episode of Polar Opposites. So you guys know this podcast is called Polar Opposites because we typically like to, where Nikki and I don't agree on everything and we have polar opposite views when, we co- when it comes to a lot of things. So this week, I think we're finally going to earn our name <laughs> today. <laughs> we're bringing a different opinion, yes. a different voice mm-hmm. to this podcast. A different perspective for this episode. So today we are joined by Grayson. Say hey, Grayson. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me on. So we're, today we're discussing um, a few different topics, but for the most part, um, in this country, it seems like there's a lot of differences that people are having, whether that's politically, with things that are happening in the world. But we feel like we want to have have a good discussion about things that often divide people. We want to kind of bridge the gap and discuss topics that are hot button issues, but at the same yeah, time... Yeah, sometimes a little hush-hush because people don't want to disagree, don't want to have arguments, so we just want to have an open conversation about that. Yes. So since nothing that interesting happened in our lives today, we're going to go right <laughs> into hot takes. So hot take of the week. Nikki, what is your hot take of the week? So this has been something that I've been thinking about for a long time. It's really perplexed me, and I really haven't understood why okay. this thing happens. Why do people love Canes? I think Canes is trash. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't, I don't think Canes is trash, but Canes is not high on my list it of doesn't priorities. T- the chicken has no flavor. The sauce is basically just ketchup and mayo. <laughs> I don't understand what people go there for No, the, the sauce, all. The sauce is good. It's but trash. The fries, <laughs> the fries, I agree with you, are pretty trash. The, the chicken, chicken is, is kind of soggy, not crispy. Exactly. What do people like about Canes? I the, don't understand. The coleslaw. I hate coleslaw. So I, I wouldn't go no, anywhere for coleslaw. No, that's that's where we, we disagree because I love coleslaw. It's like crunchy vegetable chunks of I don't know how to describe <laughs> it, but it's really good. It's a terrible way to describe nah, it. Man. I am in the complete opposite camp. I love canes. Really? <sighs> we live right next to it and we go all the time. It uh, is a great like every pre-game, time post game. Every time my sister comes home from LA, she has to go to Canes. No, I'm every time she's like, "There's no Canes in LA. I miss it so much." Every time, every time she comes home, she goes to Canes. No, I don't understand. I was like, you know what? Let me try this, and I hate it. I was like, this is disgusting. This is what you drive like 15 minutes for. I mean, to me, Canes is not high on the list, but it's not something that I hate. That I'd be like, "Oh, Canes, let's not go there." Like, if people want to go there, I'd be like, "Okay, that's cool." No, I but... wouldn't. I- I feel like people are always like, oh, let's go to Cane's. I love Cane's. Cane sauce. Cane's bread. Blah, blah, blah. Really? I don't, yeah. Interesting. Well, that I think that's definitely a hot take because I feel like people will feel some type of way about that <laughs> opinion. But my hot take this week is in regard to read receipts. So typically when people have their read receipts on, we view these people as honest people. Because really? Whenever, I don't. <laughs> whenever, whenever they text you. They see, you see red, so they read your message, no, right? No, but these are type of people, you see a message before you actually open it. Yeah. People read yeah. it, and then they do not open it. They may have read it hours ago, yeah. but they have that re- read receipt, so it's like, oh, when I feel like opening it, that's when someone thinks that's, that I yeah. read it. That's how I feel. So when it comes to read receipts, I notice that every person that I text that has read receipts on, they take five hours to respond. And for me, when I get a text... There's no reason why it should take five hours for you to respond, because my theory is that you read my text, you have read receipts on, and you feel as though, since I won't know until you read it, until you read it, let me just <laughs> leave this here, and I'll read it and reply when I feel like it. So five hours later, it sees, I see red. And I'm like, you you read my text a yes, long time ago. Those are the people who have like 100, 200 messages just sitting mm-hmm. in their messages app. 
Yes. They've read it. So my, my hot take <laughs> this week is that people that have their read receipts on are the real snakes. <laughs> All right, Grayson, what is, what is your hot take this week? My hot take, I do not see the hype around Jay-Z. Neither I do I. I'm not really? personally really? interested in him in him i think he's produced some pretty all right music i think i'm not i'm not crazy about anything jay-z's produced really i i beg to differ big pimpin um what else i feel like he has dirt some o- dirt good off your shoulder. old hits but nothing recent i feel like nowadays like when he's on tour with beyonce i'm not interested in jay-z well neither am i but i, I can still bump even to if some he was on tour by himself i would not be interested <laughs> <laughs> like i don't jay-z is cool like for me like i don't Sometimes I listen to Jay-Z, like his new mm-hmm. album, The Story of OJ. Sometimes I bump that. Sometimes I bump 444, the song. Jay-Z has some good songs. He like, has a couple of good things, I think. And he was really good back in the day, in right. the 90s, right? Well, he's really a legend. When you get to a certain point, like you're not trying to prove a point to anybody. So yeah, it's hard true. to compare Jay-Z to these new age rappers that are more experimental with their sound and the the instrumentals that they use so yeah i think that's true jay-z has built an empire literally mm-hmm. he's built it on owning what like sports companies yeah, or sports buying, teams buying out rock aware he or... has a clothing line mm-hmm. like he does a lot of things it's not just him being a rapper that's part of his identity mm-hmm. he is jay-z he's this big figure right so, so grayson what propelled you to like have this hot take about jay-z it came from him not producing any or posting any of his music on other platforms like spotify or he, he's on apple, apple music. music he's on both of those but some of the songs that you try to find from him like on to the next one i love they're that exclusive. it's like a great hype really? song but they're exclusive you can only find them on his platform title i was turned off by it because i'm thinking you have to be so focused on yourself you can't like post your music anywhere it has to be on your platform i mean he's just he has a whole just turned me off of like some of his that he's trying to keep alive yeah oh, this just reminds me i think my cousin the one i've been telling you about at um one of our family holiday gatherings he's like he only listens to music on title and okay. i'm like you're missing out on so much of the world if title is your main source of music. Okay. I understand the exclusives are on there, like Jay-Z, Beyonce mm-hmm. put out stuff on there, and mm-hmm. other artists. But there's a whole world of music out there. I mean, do they only have us? I don't know how Tidal works. Is there only a few select artists that are on Tidal that you're able to stream? How does it work? Because I thought that they have every single song that any other platform has. Like, what makes... I don't think it's the same. I don't it's use it, but subscription from what I've based. heard... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if they have everything, but it's like 15 bucks a month. Like up That's front. a lot. That's such a huge commitment for music. <laughs> yeah. I'll just take my $5 Apple. Nope, you get that one Spotify. month free. You change your email, <laughs> get another month That's free. That's what a lot of people do. So <laughs> whenever Jay-Z or Beyonce is releasing some kind of exclusive stuff on you Tidal... You sign up for that month free. Yeah, just they... like people do with HBO to watch Game of Thrones. They get uh, their month free. That, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's That's a discussion for another day. So, for our main topic today, we are discussing a variety of topics. So, earlier I mentioned that in this country, um, a lot of people have differences, and based on these differences, people aren't willing to see each other eye to eye or even have a discussion about topics that, you know, divide people. So, whether that's about white privilege, about um, the election of Donald Trump, whether that's about immigration, People aren't willing to have conversations to actually discuss the problems in our country and how they can be fixed. So today we wanted to bring in a different perspective to open our eyes on the way that um, he sees the world and maybe we can open his eyes as well. So the point of this is to have a good productive discussion 
and to open up a dialogue and really discuss these topics that we feel really need to be discussed. So again, we are joined by Grayson. So Grayson, nice to meet you. <laughs> Grayson, are you nervous? A little bit. You should be. Uh, only so much as being on a podcast makes me nervous. Yeah. But... No, I'm very comfortable talking about this, and I'm actually very grateful that you invited me to do no, so. No, no problem. I think that it's really important to, if you have differences on certain opinions, discuss the differences, and maybe you can get yeah. a better understanding. I about think so the way people often think. people mm-hmm. listen to respond rather mm-hmm. than to really listen and yeah. understand. Yes. Yeah. So I think that when you're having these conversations, you really do need to listen to people because it's hard for people to change their mind, especially when someone's not being understanding of the way that they're thinking and not talking to them in a way that is productive or conducive to changing thoughts. Exactly. So um, Grayson, tell us about yourself. Tell us about who you are, like where you came from, the neighborhoods you grew up in. Like just give us, let the listeners get a sense of who you are. Sure. So I grew up in a little neighborhood outside of West Houston. My father is a police officer. My mother's been working for an insurance company. Moved to Montgomery, Texas, out by Conroe when I was in the fifth grade. So really country town. I grew up in a very like small country town. Uh, most people, when I when I tell them that I'm from Montgomery, they're like, oh, Alabama. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's like, much worse. Like- Montgomery, Texas. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> very, funny. I've always been in a sort of a small town since I was young. Both of my parents are, my father's Jewish, my mother's Catholic. Mm-hmm. So I never really had a religious influence. I haven't had a lot of family in my life only child no siblings so i've always been the center of attention for what family Lucky i do you. have yeah i'm the middle you. child so i don't get any of that <laughs> me either so grayson tell us about your like personal ideology like how do you see the world sure like so, politically or anything politically the main thing that i try to get across to people is that a lot of us especially young people we have a lot of the same goals we have a lot of the same values I think everybody, regardless of what culture you were raised in, we have, you know, notable focuses, like we're all worthy of celebration, but it's just how we reach these conclusions or how we want to solve these problems is what differs. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of us can make progress on some of the problems that previous generations have left us. We can just see eye to eye on where we're trying to go, like how we get there. Having discussions like this with you, especially prior to this podcast, Mm -hmm. You and I have not raised our voices or, you know, we very much disagree on a lot of stuff, but it's not like it's a problem. Right. So that's been my experience politically. And that's what I've tried to tell people is that's the one large conclusion that I'd come to Mm -hmm. in all my experience talking political topics. Right. So what do you what do you think is the issue right now in the world and why people aren't willing to listen to one another, regardless of the differences that you have? Why do you think that is? I think it comes a lot from the older generation telling us that there's a lot of problems that don't actually exist and Mm -hmm. that you'd have to look at it on a case by case basis. I'm not saying that we're without problems, Mm -hmm. but we have this older generation that is constantly reminding us of issues that have either been solved previously Mm -hmm. or we can't attack as a generation. And I think they frustrate us a lot and feed on that sort of youthful energy that we have. And every young generation has this big focus, this big problem that they want to solve. Mm -hmm. And I feel like our generation is being hijacked a little bit, like being led astray. Okay. So, and what, like, what certain topics do you think that um, we're being, like, led astray or, like, we've been told that there's, like, issues in these areas, but maybe you're saying that issues aren't present? 
I would say definitely in regards to this podcast, race relations. I think that there have supposedly been a lot of surveys recently that state that Americans believe racism is the number one issue plaguing our country. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, and some of the experiences I've heard from other people, most people want to stay out of your way. I mean, most people don't want to get in your way and bother you even on the basis of your skin color or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean... I've been parts of organizations that agree with my political ideologies, and they've been overwhelmingly diverse. I mean, the organization I'm in is very diverse, mm -hmm. and it's never occurred to me that race was a factor in any of these decisions or anything. It's never been like a stopping point where I think, oh, wow, like everybody here is really diverse. Mm -hmm. It's just, it just is. It's right. something that's a fact. It's not up for debate. So I think for me, like one thing that I have an issue with that you said is that like for you, it's mm. not something that you think about or for you, you don't really see it as something that people are really actively Fighting doing, against. you know, or like mm -hmm. that there's really this problem. But I think that you have to be aware of your privilege or your perspective. You are a white male. Um, so you do, in this country at least, you do have this privilege of being held on a higher pedestal. There's not people looking at you sideways for certain things that you do there's not people who act certain ways around you who may be more protective of their items or look at you a certain way when you're in their store because of the way that you look so I think that it may be hard for you to see it because it's not something that you directly experience yeah and to that I'd respond one what's your definition of white privilege how would you define it in a way that we could apply it to something that I would do like a personal experience of mine Okay, I would say so that... The, I guess we can start with the definition, like what is white privilege? Okay, I think white privilege is having the ability to walk around in your daily life, to just live your life without um, having race be something that hinders you, without it being that because of the color of your skin that you are treated differently or that people have certain thoughts about you that are negative, that hinder you in any way. Anna, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like, um, somebody, I was watching an interview, and somebody was saying that white privilege is people that have had stuff given to them without act actively, I guess, going out and getting those things. Like, mm -hmm. based on our society and the way our society is built, certain people are given certain privileges that other people aren't afforded. So whether that comes to whenever you're applying for a loan or something and people are, you have the same credit as somebody else, but then yeah, they're they more don't. trusting of you, yeah. maybe that you'll pay it back or that you have the means to pay it back. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Or coming with a business idea, same thing with a loan mm -hmm. or applying for a job and having a certain name that is looked at as like stereotypically white versus something that's stereotypically black. Mm -hmm. And I think the concept of white privilege it's confusing to a lot of white people, I would say, because let's say you are poor, you're from a poor background, you would say that, you know, you've not been afforded anything that anybody else didn't have. But because of that, like, you don't have any sort of privilege, like, white privilege, like, I'm not, like, better off than anybody else. I'm poor, I still work hard, but... You know, how does that make sense? Yeah, it's not saying that white people, um, it's not lumping all white people and saying that you don't have any struggles. It's not saying that you don't experience hardships in your life. Mm -hmm. It's saying that your life isn't made harder because of the color of your skin. Because for a lot of people in this country, 
people of color, things are made harder for them. Mm-hmm. And, Even if you have a high status, you may, in certain situations, if someone doesn't know who you are, per se, as a celebrity, you may be treated in a certain way that is really derogatory, demeaning. Mm-hmm. And white privilege is a certain type of privilege. Everybody has privilege. There's mm-hmm. able-bodied privilege. There's um, being having a healthy mind. That's a privilege. Like there's mm-hmm. there's even black privilege. Mm-hmm. There's all different types of privilege. But I think the concept of white privilege is confusing to a lot of people. Like how would you how would you define it? Or do you, do you even think that it's a thing? I personally don't. Mm-hmm. I believe in privilege. I don't believe that there is white privilege okay that's exclusive to white people and cannot be taken advantage of like some of the things that people accuse us of having access to i don't believe that there's any restriction on that legally that's where i i guess the jumping off point for me is when i think about white privilege i think about the law i would think about where we differ on our institutions if there's anything in our law or our justice system that takes issue with race I believe that people are going to act differently. Of course, people are going to have their own biases towards people of different skin colors. I mean, if you think about people who grew up in a predominantly, let's say, white area, going to a place like Austin, Texas is a different scenery. There's a lot of there's a lot of diversity here. To me, that never struck me. But I know for some people it probably Mm -hmm. does well let me let me ask you this question have you ever been in a classroom and have you ever been the only white person in a classroom i have not i i would say that that's a huge example i've been the only black person and i have too so if you listen to a couple episodes ago when we were talking about like um what blackness means for me a lot of times when i was in school i took a lot of higher level like ap classes a lot of times i was the only black person in a room um so I guess you can't understand that. And the thing you said about law, a lot of it isn't legal. A lot of it isn't de jure. It's de facto. It's the way people act. It's against the law to discriminate in the workplace, but people still do it. Just because it's the law or it's not the law that allows this privilege to happen does not mean that it does not occur. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would ask if it's actions that people can exhibit toward people of another skin color that would that would promote this bias or promote this level of racism can we track down these actions because personally i would love to get rid of anybody in any sort of office hiring practice whatever that has racist behavior mm-hmm. i'm right there well, it's, it's, uh, it's, this, these kind of things are people. like with day-to-day interactions like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll use the police for example the treatment that a black person receives from a police officer is different than the treatment that a white person receives from a police officer. Um, would you would you say that's true? I would say that's true. And I think that with a lot of the things that have been happening in our country for the past few years, even for me, um, I've never been pulled over anything like that. I've never been in any trouble with the law. But I was driving with you, was it last weekend or so? We were going to the movies. And I remember there was this police officer um, kind of a little bit behind me, and I, like, tensed up. I got really scared Mm -hmm. because, okay, he was about to pull someone over, and it wasn't me. It was a person next to me. Mm -hmm. But that thought of being pulled over by a police officer and what could happen to me, to my body, to my life because of the color of my skin is scary. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I live with every day. Right. So I would say like white privilege is not the ability to not have to think about certain things. Like, I don't know your experience, but I don't know if you've ever like been nervous around the police. All the time. 
Okay. Every time I get pulled over, I'm nervous. Not but is it like nerve because you of, don't want to get a ticket, or, or nervous? is it because that of what you've seen in the media, of what you've seen of how police officers can treat people like you, and that it's possible that if you say one slight wrong thing, it can be taken the wrong way. It can way. be taken the wrong way, and things can be blown out of proportion. Sure. I mean, my take on it is a number of things. Like one, of course, guilt. You mm-hmm. know, I immediately start thinking like, oh, what are my parents going to think? But two, also, I think about who is this police officer going to be? I don't know them. The only thing I know is that they're an enforcer of the law. So we're already going to have this power disparity between myself and the officer. Mm -hmm. So personally being white doesn't put me at ease. I don't never crosses my mind. Like, Oh, I'm going to get off easy. I mean, I've gotten two or three tickets for every single time I've been pulled over. The only Mm -hmm. time I've ever gotten a warning was for an inspection sticker. And even then I was nervous, but the most I can do is just answer yes or no, sir. But um, like going back for the class to the classroom discussion, you've never been the only white person in your classes, right? Would you say that since that's never been the case for you, would you not agree that that's a form of privilege? Me being the only black person in a class, if a black issue is brought up, People who did the eyeballs go to? And look at you, the black person. Like Why we have do to I speak have on to be the representative of all of black my race? People. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't like that at all. But, like, you, not, but, but I you agree. agree. I yeah, agree that that exists. It's not if you like it or not. It's more like acknowledging the fact that these things do exist. Oh no, I'm saying like I acknowledge it. I just don't like that people do that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that if you're say the only white person, the only Hispanic person, the only black person in the room. Whenever one of those issues gets brought up, like nobody should be staring at you. Nobody should say. Yeah, but that's out. That, that happens that's, all the yeah, time. Yeah, it happens. All yeah, the it time. happens. Even what was it last year? Um, I had this job that I actually quit because I had a lot of issues with the company. Mm-hmm. But um, there are a few different locations, and at one of the locations, um, one of the like managers. Um, she was like, oh, like your hair. Wow, you're wearing a puff today. I was like, oh, okay. She's like, oh, like ask me all these questions about my hair. And then like, can I touch your hair? Like what kind of coils do you have? What type of hair? And to me, it felt like very, it made me uncomfortable in a sense because I'm sure you don't get when you're walking around, oh, what type of hair do you have? Or can what I do touch you, it? Can I touch your hair? Do you, mm. I have been asked, like, like people animals. have asked me so many times, can I touch your hair? Why? Like, because it's different, you want to touch it because, like, I feel like I'm being put on display and I shouldn't have to be, I shouldn't have to feel like that. Me personally, and you can disagree with this, but I see those instances as, yes, like there might be a sort of situation where you're being singled out because of people seeing you differently in one way or another, but I've always taken that as an opportunity to either educate someone or learn from them if I do get singled out for anything, like, I've been singled out for my political ideas a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I might not be singled out for my race in a classroom, but many times have I been the only one of a certain mindset in a classroom. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand it only so far as that. Right. But I'll use that as an opportunity to say, okay, even if they are coming at me aggressively mm-hmm. and saying like, you're different, like you're not like the rest of us. I take that as an opportunity to say, here's what I know. This is what I, like, like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. These are my experiences. What are yours? And I use that. It's an opportunity to either learn or educate yeah. somebody. And I think for you, like you're saying, it's the fact that you're different. But to us, sometimes it's the fact that we're seen as lesser, mm-hmm. that we're not as worthy. So I don't know if you experience that. I, again, I don't know your experiences. But to me, in some cases, it's like we're seen as lesser. Mm-hmm. We're put on display. We're not as worthy of this job or this education. Because even like me going to UT now, there are people when I tell them like, oh, I go to UT. They're like, oh. 
like you go to UT. <laughs> like I don't know if that's wow, ever happened. Wow, like happened good to you for before. you. Not and that it's good not, for you. Like congrats, you got into UT. It's in like, a wow, way, like well, I'm surprised you that yeah. you have the capability, the intelligence to go to UT. A school like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's not. It's not like for me. It's not these single cases. It's this thing that I've experienced for years and years, my entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite frankly, it's tiring. In my opinion, it's yeah. tiring. Did you vote in the 2016 election? I'll say it up front. Okay. I'm, I identify as a constitutional conservative. Mm-hmm. And more recently, I've not associated with the label as much because I'm taking time to be a little bit more patient. Like, I think getting invested in politics was making me lose a little bit of patience. And I think it does that to anybody, mm-hmm. regardless of where you sit. And so I took some time to step back. And now I look at some conservative speakers and the way they act. And I'm I just think like I don't want to be associated with that. Like some people are provocateurs, mm-hmm. some people are really Jones aggressive. Is. Yeah, and it's just I don't look at that and think this is my ideology. This is someone who's speaking for me. I don't see those things. Mm-hmm. So I've started to associate with the label less, but that's where I would fall on okay. the spectrum. Um, I'm thinking of an issue that really divided people, um, and it, it deals with the NFL. So the whole Colin Kaepernick and the whole kneeling situation. Like, what did you think of the whole situation? Like, what did you, how how do you feel about that? Sure, so I wasn't one of the people that jumped to vilify him for kneeling during the national anthem. It's a protest. I mean, he's gotta have a reason for protesting. The thing that I took issue with was the reason, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was the stories that came out. A lot of these stories where we see these police killings take a lot of time to process, like the court hearings, gathering all the evidence. And it seems almost immediately after some of these killings occur, we jump to this explosive media response. And I think a lot of Kaepernick's protest was responding to this very rapid, explosive media exposure that some of these stories got. And then later, when we hear some of the story be reversed, or some of the facts come out that reverse the commonly understood narrative of those stories nobody goes back and says like okay well maybe we should have retracted this or maybe we should have made an adjustment you don't see a lot of that in the mainstream media so i don't have a problem with the guy i mean he he is who he is he does his own protest it's not like i got really invested in that right because there there was a lot of people that said that he was like kneeling against the flag and that's disrespectful to the troops do would you disagree or agree with that i'm neutral on that issue my recommendation was not the national anthem Mm -hmm. kneeling during the national anthem you can choose whatever protest you'd like but to have an effective protest i do think it also is important to think about how it's going to be received Mm -hmm. and i would say this for either side if y'all remember yct young conservatives of texas on our campus they did that bake sale where they were selling cookies Mm -hmm. and if you walked up and asked they would just give them to you for free but they had a sign next to it that had different prices for the cookies depending on what your race was. And of course, somebody gets a screenshot of that, like a, you know, they just take a photo and post it, say, look at what these guys are doing. And I saw that and I knew what was going on, but I just thought I would not associate myself with that. Like, I don't agree well, what, with that as What was protest. the point of that protest in the first place? Like The young conservatives? Yeah. I think, this is my opinion, I think it was to stir drama because I don't think anyone would come on a campus like UT and put up a sign like that, basically putting value <laughs> to someone's race and to their gender. 
mm-hmm. and not expect controversy mm-hmm. to happen. I think we should like clearly explain this because there might be some people that aren't in the YouTube bubble that don't understand what we're discussing. So I don't know. Was this a couple of years I think ago? This, this was in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. In, in twenty sixteen, um, young conservatives of Texas, which is an organization at um, at the University of Texas at Austin, they had a bake sale. On a poster board, they correlated the prices that one had to pay with their race. If you were white, if you were Asian. It went from like white male, white female, Asian male, Asian female. I think it was Hispanic and then black. Maybe there's Native, Native somewhere yeah. in there. But basically, they're equating people's race and their gender to their price, their value. I actually went to this little thing <laughs> after class because I was intrigued. I wanted to see what was going on. I wanted to hear these people's perspectives. Maybe this got blown out of proportion. I wanted to know. But really, um, from what I heard from the people that I spoke to, the people that were representing this group, these were beliefs that they held. These were They stood by what they did. They didn't really see anything wrong with what they did. To me, that's problematic. How can you equate someone's race and their gender to a worth? You're telling me that I'm less valuable than this person here. Um, I think that's extremely rude. It's condescending. It's, uh, it was just terrible. It's extra. Like, what is the point of that? To me, yeah, go ahead. The, sorry, the point of the protest from my understanding, because I've spoken to some of the YCT kids that were involved, it was an affirmative action protest. Mm-hmm. And I discussed it with them. I said, why did y'all pick like this sign? Like, what, what was with the pricing? And a lot of them did stand by that. It wasn't that they were standing by the idea that people are valued based on their race. Like, actually, they didn't. They don't believe that. They Their protest was against that belief that people should be different because of their race. So that's why if you walked up to them, they would just give you the cookies. You didn't actually have to pay. Mm-hmm. But I took issue with the, their method of exposing that message. And, you know, when I looked at the social media posts from YCT, they were like, hey, come check out our bake sale and come talk about the awful, terrible policy that is affirmative action. And my first thought was, you can't say that. You have to say, come visit our table and speak about affirmative action. So was, your, have a so was your issue with the way that they said their message, not the message itself? I guess you could say the two aren't mutually exclusive. Like part of them are tied together. I had, I definitely had took issue more with the way that they spread the message than the message itself. Okay, so I think that's a perfect segue into affirmative action. Actually, what what would you say like your views are when it comes to affirmative action? Affirmative action, I think personally, doesn't make sense to me as far as solving the issue of race or racism goes because. As far as I'm concerned, it's a policy that favors some races over another, whether it be for hiring practices or college admissions, whatever. And to me, I think of racism as this selective choosing, prejudice, bias, discrimination, behavior that's different towards people of certain races. So if I see that the policy is treating people differently with race being the determining factor, I can only see that as something that's racist. And I'm someone who's going to be opposed to it on that basis. Okay, so for me, I don't think affirmative action is meant to solve racism. Which is um, impossible to yeah, solve. Yeah, which is yeah. impossible. Because it's something embedded within the American society. Like, Yeah, <clears throat> the thing about affirmative action, it's meant to put, it's meant to put in place equity. So equity is giving everyone the same chance, the same starting point to where they have the opportunity to succeed in whatever they choose to do so. For me, in this country, people 
are people have different starting points, basically. Someone who has parents who have generational wealth, who they may not have as good SAT or ACT scores, um, but they have the money, they have the connections, they know people. It might be very easy for them to get into a university versus someone who's from maybe a small rural town who doesn't have a good education system, Mm -hmm. but they're really smart. They may be even smarter than this other person. Affirmative action is there to make sure, but okay, say they don't have the same test scores. They have a poor education system, poor school um, that doesn't have the resources maybe to take AP classes. So they don't have the same GPA. They don't have the same standards basically of comparison. So affirmative action is there to help realize that people come from different places. People come from different starting points. To kind of like level the playing field. You need to level the playing field because those two situations aren't equal. And the outcomes, if you're not helping people who like don't have the resources to get there, Mm -hmm. then they're never going to get there. Whether they have the cognitive ability to do so or not. Maybe they don't have the money. Maybe they need a scholarship. Maybe their family works. Both their parents work 80 hours a week. Um, they're immigrants, etc. There are all these different factors that go into affirmative action, and it's not just based on race. Mm-hmm. You did say that, and it's not just based on race. It's based on gender, gender. It's based on socioeconomic status. It's based on a lot of things. Yeah, and I think people are confused because they think that affirmative action is, oh, if you're white or if you're black, oh, the black person gets the job. They don't it's realize that, like it's, that. Oh, it's about gender, too, because sure. for the longest time, women were being excluded from all these jobs, and they were highly just as qualified as the men that they were um, working against in the field. So um, I think that if you can, if you understand affirmative action, to me, like, there's no reason why, like, somebody wouldn't, I guess, get it. You know what I mean? Here's something that's contradictory for me. If we want to have an effective policy that levels across these playing fields, it yes, it's more than just race. I didn't mean to make it sound that way, but there are so many factors, like you just discussed, there's socioeconomic status, where you grew up, what school you went to, what resources you had access to, to make an effective policy. We want to have a policy that targets these people and effectively brings them up most of the time. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Where, so, where they need to be brought up and to be on the level playing field. So how many factors do we consider and do we even have the means to accurately consider all of these factors at one time? Well, what, what, would, you, what would be your counter solution to affirmative action if not affirmative action? I'm not sure right now. And I don't know how effective affirmative action is. I would have to see the data on how maybe employment across some minority groups is improving, how education is improving across some minority groups. If there are improvement in those areas due to the policy, if we can draw that connection, then I'm totally okay with it. Mm-hmm. See, I one problem I have with that is that not there are these cycles within communities of you have a job, you have kids, you may, it may be like a dead-end job, you're not getting paid a lot, but you're in the cycle of poverty, per se. So you can't res- necessarily draw these conclusions because some people don't necessarily have the drive or want to Achieve enter these things, fields yeah. that affirmative action really works to level the playing field. So I don't know if you can necessarily draw that conclusion and say, oh, this one person from this town went to this university how did that help them? Those are anecdotes, really. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think it's effective. I don't 
know how yeah like you said yeah I don't know for me i think i think it's how telling would we that... determine if it's effective though what would be our metric for success of a policy I think you just look at t- change look over at time. Yeah. Look at the time that affirmative action was implemented. Look at the jobs that is created. Who's been afforded these jobs and opportunities based on the policies that were enacted, and then you see the growth over time. And I think it'd be hard to say that changes have not been made since affirmative action has been in place. Yeah, I okay. think it's beneficial. So that's my problem. Is I don't know that data. I don't know anybody who has tracked that data. When you I'm look sure at the you I'm sure you can find it. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. educational psychology, higher education, there percentage there's, of there's minorities in the workplace. I was surprised there's research on yeah. so many fields. You can look at maybe look at one company and see the history of its employees, see if it's just been white males <clears> and then maybe females are introduced whether that's going from being um just the secretary or front desk assistant to actually having roles of power. You can see these changes within companies, within universities, mm-hmm. within different entities. You can see the changes over time. Yeah, sure. And I would also question you as to whether or not with the policy, we always have to consider when we're going to enact something as large as affirmative action as a policy in our country, does this have some sort of unintended consequence? Does it have a perverse incentive? And we can say that, yes, the policy is noble, like it's got a noble goal. That I would not disagree with. However we do still have to consider, regardless of how good the policy sounds, what might occur as a consequence. So what do you think is a consequence of affirmative action? Is it taking a job away from like a so, white person? or I'm not worried about the taking jobs from white people. I personally do not care about the racial distribution in any company, the sexual distribution, any of those things. However, when you think about it, affirmative action has made it law to not discriminate against people on the basis of race, correct? Like mm-hmm. if you hire them... Race, gender... Yes, there's some... You know, the the quota thing was struck down a while ago by mm-hmm. the Supreme Court, but there's still some sort of favoring that must occur. Not saying that's for better or for worse, but it does make race, socioeconomic status, all of these factors matter in employment, correct? Mm-hmm. So in regards to the law as an employer if somebody can prove that you violated this policy you're now in some sort of legal trouble correct Mm. theoretically yeah somebody could come after you if you violated this policy or if you've refused to respect this policy with integrity so my issue is is this creates an incentive for employers so if you have to have let's say a certain number of people of a race or a class or whatever within your company, you're going to hire those people. Like that's going to happen. However, what's going to change is your preferences for people when you're hiring. So let's say that you have two black individuals. One is very, very skilled, so skilled that for the position that they're trying to get into, they have more than enough qualifications. And then you have another black individual who meets the qualifications, but may or may not perform the job as the employer wants, like have the same effect. And that's totally up. It's subjective. I'm not an employer, so I don't know. I don't know how I would tell that. But let's say that you can as an employer, you can see, well, this person can excel at the job and I don't have to guess about that. I can see their qualifications and it's very clear versus someone who I'm 
going to be taking a risk only so far as they might just perform the job at a base level or they might not or they could excel at it. Well, I don't well how do you how do you know that if you're just looking at people's applications, you're just inferring based on whatever you can like, see arbitrary... like their, their education, if they have tenure, if they have some sort of academic accomplishments where they've worked previously. OK, so I guess to reframe your question are you saying you're looking at two resumes? One's highly qualified. They're both black and one's less qualified. Is that the bottom yes, line? Yes. Yes. So one is, one is extremely qualified, okay. like overqualified. Okay. Anybody who's hiring for that position would say, I want you for my company, mm-hmm. regardless of race. And then you have another individual from the same race who's got qualifications, who meets the job. Like if there were no, if there were no other applicants in the pool, they would get the job. But let's say the company on the basis of the policy only has spot a spot where they have to fill a spot for one black individual. Well, that would be a quota that and quotas are illegal. Yeah, so that, that would be illegal. it's hard to like frame this argument. If the stuff that they're trying to employ is not even legal in the first place, if that makes sense. True. So there, there might not be a quota, but a lot of companies act on this belief that they have to maintain certain representation. Like for well, example, for me, I, okay. I think that you should have representation, but I don't think mm-hmm. that means that you need to hire individuals that are not qualified. My mm-hmm. thing is, with affirmative action, there are people are from qualified. all over with all different backgrounds that are qualified. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, your case of having one person who's overqualified and one person who's not as qualified, it doesn't make sense. They would choose the person who's qual- more qualified if they're better fit for the job. Mm-hmm. Affirmative action is not saying because someone is black or because someone is Native, Native American that you have to choose them or choose the on one that that's factor, more based qualified. on someone who's not as qualified. I wanted to finish, like, that's not the complete thought. Okay. So okay. to finish the thought, there's the super qualified individual, and then there's the less qualified. Not they, They're not below the qualifications. They meet them, but they're less qualified than the other individual. Okay. If you are an employer and race is going to be an important or the racial composition of your company, you are going to select the person that, without a doubt, will do their job amazingly. Like, they have the qualifications and then some. So they're going to select that person. And so what happens is, and this is just something to consider, by having these policies in place that make us select on these factors, employers can look at them and say, well, yes, this person did not have a lot of privilege. This person did not have a great education. But for whatever reason, they have amazing qualifications. But then when you weigh them next to somebody else who has maybe the same upbringing and they just simply meet the qualifications, they don't have that little bit of extra this person who doesn't have that little bit of extra qualification will get parsed out versus the person who's super qualified because that employer does not have to take a risk on that person. There's no risk of firing that person and getting in some kind of legal battle or public turmoil over the fact that they fired a person of color or Well, I mean, your your argument is kind of confusing yeah, in the really sense that you, you said okay. there's two people, both from black, <clears throat> one is less qualified, one is more qualified. And then you like brought in this other like, third party that wasn't like involved. Okay, in the sorry. I don't know if I didn't make that clear. But basically what happens is if employers need to keep a diversity amongst their company across a number of factors, instead of just pulling people who have these factors, they're going to pull the people that have the factors, the qualifications, and then a lot of extra qualifications that wouldn't be necessary for the job otherwise. Does that make sense? Intangible. You're like saying you're hiring people who are overqualified just because you want to fill this need for diversity. Exactly. you don't want to be held accountable later on. Exactly. So we have to think of employers as working in their own self-interest, whether that be racist or not racist, If you make it 
law that people have to be hired on the basis of all of these factors. If you were to end up firing these people, even if they're not performing the job right, now you're in trouble because people can start attacking you saying, I don't think you're in trouble. If someone is not qualified for the job, if they're not doing the job, performing well, if they're not doing the job right, then you have the right, you have the right it's to your fire business. someone. Sure. You can't go and say, if someone fires me and I'm doing a terrible job, I'm not going to go back and say, oh, fired they fired me because I'm black. black. I'm not that going doesn't to go happen. and say like, that. That case would have no, no grounds. It would it, not go anywhere. It wouldn't because you have to have you like have proof. to hire qualified people. And you have, if you're going to sue somebody, you need proof that you've been discriminated against or if you're pre- not performing yeah. well. If like you're having these performance checks regularly in your job and you're not performing well, there everyone else is performing above you. Your numbers just aren't there, and you're fired. You don't have a case. You're not going to be in trouble because of that. Mm-hmm. True. And this kind of goes off of the personal experiences thing again. So that would be how you would respond. But somebody else might respond differently. And somebody that, who believes. Really saying, yeah. even if someone responded yeah. differently, they would not have a case against they that. They would have, not have they grounds to sue unless they had hardcore the evidence. Em, the employer might not uh, receive any penalty. That they might not end up paying any damages. But I think about how this would show up. Think about in the media, think about online. We get these little sensational stories about things. And I can, you know, you can already imagine if you have somebody who might have been fired, maybe because they didn't meet the qualifications, maybe for some other reasons, like maybe the way they behaved in the office, whatever. It might not be strictly the qualifications. If they get fired, they still have a way of making a ruckus about it and drawing a lot of attention to them. Yeah, but I don't, I don't blindly believe. Like, if I believe. saw a story like that and there's no grounds to it, I wouldn't believe it. I'd be like, this is stupid. Next, please. And I don't, like, sure. find my news from random sources. I, like, find valid sources that give me my information. You can't so believe informed. everything that's on the internet. Like, I read about things. It doesn't make sense. What you're saying, it doesn't really make sense to me because as an employer, like, my parents have had their own company. As an employer... If someone is not doing their job well, if they're being late, if they're not acting right in the workplace, you have grounds to fire the person. Mm-hmm. But just firing a person because of the race is completely different than firing someone who happens to be black or who happens to be Mexican. But they're, because, underperforming. But they're yeah. underperforming. That's completely different. Well, my problem is that that might not be immediately evident to the public or someone who, like, say, a prosecutor or whoever, a legal team, if you have an individual who gets fired, and they happen to be black, not that they get fired because they're black, but they happen to be black. And the public sees the story, black individual was fired because of X, Y, Z. We don't know all the reasons. We don't have that information that the person didn't meet the quality checks or the performance checks that we talk about. So these things aren't readily available to the public. You know, I can't look at how people are performing in any business. That's not public information. So either way, my point is basically that an employer could come under fire and they couldn't immediately clear their name. I mean, so, I think you you can always clear you can, your because name. Because if you're an employer, if, you, if you're keeping up with things, if you're having performance checks, whether that's like yearly or quarterly, whatever that is, you're probably keeping track of these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. A firing isn't most likely, unless someone does something really out of nowhere, mm-hmm. most likely mm-hmm. firing isn't coming out of nowhere. And sure. your, your argument seems to be more of an argument against something... the media and sens- sensationalism more than it is about race or 
affirmative action. Yeah, and there are a lot of times where I see headlines and it seems like something ridiculous, but if you simply click on that headline, if you read the article, it explains things. Source. But there are people mm-hmm. who just read the title. It's clickbait. People just read the title and say, oh my gosh, then they react to that. But if, you're, if you literally just read the article, it'll explain things better. So I think your argument is flawed in that sense because the hypothetical that you're bringing up it has no basis if someone is fired because they're not performing well then that's just just i would say the most recent example we have is the actor from empire jesse smollett if Mm -hmm. i'm pronouncing that properly Mm -hmm. we get this story that he's attacked you know two in the morning or whatever and that he's beaten by two guys wearing maga caps and everything that story blew up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gained a lot of attention, a lot of traction, and you had a lot of people immediately thinking, okay, where are the guys? Where are they? We're going to find them, and this is going to get dealt with. Like, who are these guys? They're mm-hmm. going to face the justice system like that. And then we start figuring out that, hey, this case might not have been what we thought it was. This mm-hmm. might not be the story that we thought it was. So in a sense, I would say the two aren't you – can't, you can't remove – the sensationalism from say these practices or hiring whatever because employers they want to avoid controversy a lot of these companies if you've seen in the past want to avoid controversy like gillette they made this statement saying you know criticizing the whole boys will be boys perspective Mm -hmm. i don't take an issue with their message the commercial whatever but you have to understand that companies want to avoid the controversy like they'll make these statements or they'll say hey we side with this thing because look we don't want to be questioned about it Mm -hmm. So employers will say the same thing. They'll say, hey, look, we're totally fine with hiring a diverse group of people. We don't have any problem with it. And so in order to do that, they'll hire the most qualified people. They'll hire the people off of the top so that it doesn't become a question of whether or not they might need to fire them later, whether they might not perform the job properly. My thing is, why would someone be thinking, oh, well, I need to be fired. Well, I need to fire this person later because of what you're saying like mm-hmm. whether they're black you have two black people one's more qualified one's a little less qualified but they're both qualified why would they be thinking oh i might need to fire someone to me i don't feel like that should be an employer's immediate thought if you're having a thought as to this person is going to perform well you're probably not going to hire them mm-hmm. and like going back moving away from the media and this jesse small mm-hmm. thing moving back to affirmative action um most of the time you see very few like big cases for affirmative action in the daily life, it's smaller companies. It's not these big five, Fortune 500 companies. It's smaller companies, everyday working people, people going to state colleges, whatever, mm-hmm. um, is how these things work. It's beneficial. There are Sure, there are cases here and there where big things get blown up out mm-hmm. of proportion, but it's not an everyday thing. Sure. And affirmative action, like certain schools weren't even – accepting black people at all they might have all the qualifications that their white counterparts have but because they're not white they wouldn't get accepted yeah into the that's school. the thing that's why this Especially policy this came school. to place because there were people who were just as qualified maybe even more qualified who were being denied entry or being being denied entry into a school or being denied a job because of their race mm-hmm. um whether taking away qualifications they were being denied whatever it is based on their race is why maybe this started based on their gender. Many women weren't allowed into different occupations yeah. um, and like such as like simple things as nursing um, sure. is now mainly dominated by women. But at a time, like women weren't allowed into these jobs except for like in the war. Um, so there are these, 
there are these things, these factors that I don't know if you're thinking about of how they're working. It's not just media uh, blowing up yeah, one firing out of, out of proportion. It's like my daily life. It's things that I worry about when I'm filling out a job application. Do I select? Oh, I'm black or African American, or do I say I don't want it, or I don't wish to um, identify? Some people might say that you know all this stuff doesn't really happen because I per se have never seen racism. Have you ever like seen any like racist incident or anything like that? Of recent memory, no. So I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not it's... gonna try to sit here and like think of something that's occurred. I know I've I've ran run into like probably one person in my life that's had or made a comment about somebody on the basis of their race, but those people very quickly disappear from my life. Yeah, see, maybe it's just something that you're not exposed to, and it's not something that you experience in your daily life because of who you are. Other people do experience these things daily. They're very real. There is this one time, a few months ago, I was at Kava and um, with my friend who's also Black, and this white man um, was standing in front of us, and he turns around and calls us the N word. For real? Yeah. You never told me this. I'm sorry. I think I was just really shocked Wait, that when? day. Wait, what? Yeah. So this happened right by campus. This random white what? man, um, and me and my friend were just shook that this happened. It's what? not something that's far away. That's abstract. It happens. For to what? People. He just turned For around no and said. For no reason. He was talking about something, and he like turns around at us and says the N word, and why were like we he doing ca- he calls you all that yeah or... he, i don't know if like he was on something or some i don't know if something was going on but it was just random out of the blue me and my friend were just standing in line so it's not like these random things that seem out of place people experience these things every day like even me for the sure. longest time i never like i was like damn i've never like i might have experienced microaggressions but yeah. never like blatant racism the only blatant racism experience that i think i told you about i was in high school we were going to chick-fil-a i was with a group of friends and a couple of my friends like one of them like stole the other person's phone and was like holding it up in the air so mm-hmm. that the girl couldn't get it and they were, she was like give me my phone give me my phone and there was a car they were in the middle of the street there was a truck that was waiting for them to move so they can like pass by so it's some like monster truck with a camouflage paint and an american flag mm-hmm. hanging outside the window no judgment um so he the, he's still sitting there for a while he's rolls down the window and goes move niggers and i was like oh my god like i was like racism is real like i was like so shook i've never seen anything like that in my life things like like this happen it may go from little stuff there's this one time i think it was at pcl or somewhere else on campus study and i think i was sitting kind of at the same table with this girl like those larger tables and um this girl i guess she goes up to go to the restroom or something you know sometimes they're like oh can you watch my stuff Instead of asking me to watch her stuff, I'm sitting, like, right there. She walks over to this table that's, like, further away and asks these other two girls, who also happen to be white, to watch her stuff. And, like, I look at them, I'm like, what just happened? And they look at me like, Like, that's weird? Yeah, that's weird. Um, It may not be her blatantly trying to be like, oh, I don't trust you. But but these are examples of day-to-day things that happen all the time. I'm sitting two feet away from you. Instead of asking me to watch your stuff, you walk over to another table further away and Mm -hmm. ask them to watch your stuff. Yeah, and these are the type of things we're talking about. Maybe that girl didn't even notice what she just did, but that's an example. Yeah, but the other people noticed it too. Yeah. So maybe you don't notice it, um, but these things happen. 
I'm aware that these things happen and I acknowledge that they happen. Like the two examples that y'all gave, that's ridiculous. Like I wouldn't provide any excuse for that. There's no excuse for saying the N-word or calling somebody racial slurs Mm -hmm. or acting in a way that would exhibit that they have some sort of bias against you just because of your skin color. That's ridiculous. The thing that I would say is it's important to look at how people's behaviors change toward you Mm -hmm. or how they act around you versus maybe what they might say. So I haven't met anybody who's reported to me that they have some kind of really racist belief or has t- spoken in a way that would make me believe that they're a racist. A lot of people don't openly say these things. <laughs> sure, though. sure. And that's where I focus on the way that they act. So a lot of people won't say them. So the next best thing you can do is look at the way that they act. So a lot of people I'll look at, especially around here or even back home, like, you know, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood And there are chances that I have to see these people in environments where they're around black people, Hispanic people, whatever. Mm -hmm. And generally, nobody is trying to stop any of these people or act in a way that's exclusive to black people, like as a white person from a black person. And again, that's my experience. But I would say in these situations, it's important to focus more on people's behaviors. Like on a day-to-day basis, are there anything... Is there anything that people do that impede y'all's progress? Like, you know, if you're just trying to study, are there people who bother you? Are there people who... No, it's not stuff like that. Um, I'm not trying to say it's stuff like that. Every mm-hmm. moment of my life, someone's acting negatively toward me because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even, like, when I'm going in the elevator and somebody's, like, trying to get in the elevator, as soon as the door opens, they jump. I'm like, what are you jumping for? I'm just, like... Maybe... No, I don't, that might not be why, because I do that. I'm just a jumpy person. Like, oh, yeah. um, no, like, I'll be like, sorry, or, like, I kind of jump if I'm not expecting someone Somebody to be, to be there. there. Okay. Maybe you're just not fair, paying fair attention. Enough. Yeah. But I don't think it's like, a, oh, I'm studying, someone's coming to pick on me because of my race kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a thing that happens in certain situations, whether that be if I'm going... Um, to shop somewhere for clothes or something. Maybe I'm just looking around or I'm taking a longer time mm-hmm. and I repeatedly get asked, can I help you? And I understand you're supposed to do that. I've worked in retail, but it comes to a point where they're kind of following you around. If you're not picking anything up, they like kind of watch you. Mm-hmm. And if you leave with no- nothing, they're watching you like, oh, did they steal something? Like what's going on? Um, versus it's like this double consciousness, being aware of like the color of your skin all, and, and all, all the interactions that you have, um, whether that just like, be simple Like, I don't know, like, how yeah. often, like, you ever have to think about, oh, I'm white, I'm consciously, like, whenever you're meeting somebody, being aware that, oh, I'm white and I'm having this conversation with somebody, like, it's something that I personally think about all the time. Like, I'm always yeah. aware that I'm black at all times. And like, it's not I something yes. that I'm, like, talking to myself, like, oh, I'm black. It's mm-hmm. just, like, in my body and mm-hmm. the way I'm acting in my consciousness of how like I go about or how things might world. come across and yeah. it's that like I, I don't know if you've ever had to like do that and like I, I feel like that would, if not like that would be like an example of like a privilege not having to think about certain things as you live your day-to-day life you oh I mean? I'll pick up on those behaviors like say being at a store like having the the clerks like kind of follow you around or keep bothering you like I've been in stores where I'm walking around for 15-30 minutes and I'm not picking out but anything. But, like, to me, it's see. not, like, 15, 30 minutes. It's, like, yeah. as soon as I walk in and meet him in there for five minutes. And sure. I still get these things. And, I, like I said, I've worked in retail. So I can tell when someone's being a little sketchy versus, like, they're just looking around. Sure. So. And it's hard for me to make that leap from these little behaviors that aren't so clear-cut straight to it's racism. Because I think, personally, there's a lot of people in the, that 
do a lot of shitty things. There's a lot of people who act poorly around other people, and I don't think it's exclusive to race. I mean, I, I have a lot of instances where I'll run into people, and people are they just they're just mean. They're yeah, just, you we're know, not they're, saying they're, it's exclusive to yeah, race. Yeah, but in in my case, I would be hesitant to jump to it being strictly about race. Like even if I watch something happen. If it's obvious, like somebody, they're doing something and speaking something like racist at the same time, then I'm like, okay, that's clear cut. But the like being, being watched or being followed or whatever is to me a little bit up to personal perception. And the reason that I say that is because these things happen to me. Like if I take note of it, if I start paying attention to it, then I'll start noticing mm -hmm, these but things. But the thing is you have to start paying attention. For us, we're yeah. already aware of these things as we live our life. Like for you, you have to actively like look and teach, search out these things and injustices that are happening. But microaggressions, <laughs> small things, is what we experience all the time. And I think that not being aware of that all the time, it just speaks to your experience like with being like who you are like there's certain things that you okay. don't yeah, have to we experience the world in different ways yeah. yeah so that would be something that maybe we disagree i don't know there's so many other topics for yeah. some people like a big topic right now is political correctness how do you how do you see political correctness as it goes political correctness it's it's so broad it's difficult how would you in, define it, okay. political correctness um i guess Political correctness is like being aware of certain things and how things come across and how words, actions, or otherwise affect other people and wanting to, I guess, correct those Yeah, and be those like, things. I guess, respectful of people's identities, um, what they want to be called, mm -hmm. addressing certain things. So a big thing that happened on the UT campus is the removal of the statues. People might say that that's a, an over... And over correction, over correction of political correctness. What do you? How do you see that with the statue situation? I would see the statue situation as an overcorrection. And let me substantiate my place or my thoughts on affirmative political correctness. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up. For political correctness, I'm fine respecting whatever people's choices are or whatever identity is correct way back in the day like the word negro wasn't like an offensive term but that was a, like obviously we don't use that now mm -hmm. I, i'm and i'm not going to try to make the stance that that should be used because i wouldn't use it it's not supposed to be used like mm -hmm. we've made that adjustment i don't have any problem identifying people if they're lgbtq if they tell me hey i'd like to be identified as this mm -hmm. i don't care what my personal beliefs are i'm going to respect them and identify them as what they choose it's just a matter of how far are we going with this so now, you think speech, that's, that's too far to remove statues i would think so well the reason why those statues were removed because people saw these um these historical figures as relics of it's the past like a and celebrating race. of these people's while they were once important figures what do they represent not, yeah what do they represent they represent a bad time in our history they represent um people of color being put down people mm -hmm. of color being discriminated against so it's like we're celebrating these people who have these terrible histories who have done nothing for people like me yeah. And we're celebrating them, and I have to walk by it every day. Why do I have to do that? And think about it. A statue, what does a statue represent? An immortalization of something from the past. So somebody walking by something that represents 
somebody that did not care for their existence, did not want them to even exist on the campus yeah, or even go like to school. It's like saying, sure, these people are great. We're going to continue celebrating them and what they stand for. Because when you are putting a statue up, you're celebrating what a person stands for. Mm-hmm. And you're standing for what their beliefs were. And a lot of those beliefs were racist. Mm-hmm. So it's like me walking this campus. Oh, I'm on the campus that celebrates people who were against people like me who celebrates people who were against integration, who were against equality, interracial who marriages. were for sel- uh, slavery, who were against interracial marriages. Mm-hmm. So that it's a terrible feeling constantly being in a space that is feels like it's against you. Mm-hmm. Like, there okay. are so many buildings on campus that are named after <clears throat> people who were against integration, who were against a lot of things for people of color. Mm-hmm. And some changes have been made, like the residence hall that's creekside now it used to be simpkins mm-hmm. but there's still a painter hall there's still littlefield fountain the dorm the house on campus mm-hmm. um, there's still robert lee moore yeah. hall based on what we're <clears throat> saying with what statues represent in general do you understand why like they were taken down i understand and i would add to that that somebody from my point of view that doesn't disagree with their removal well what do, you, be... what do you not disagree about oh you meaning that you're for yeah, no, okay. so I, I, I'll I get to my jumping off point, but first I want to say you'll never see me or anybody else who really disagrees with the statue's removal like out there protesting it. Like very rarely, there's very few of us who are like, you know, this is the hill that I want to die on politically. Like this is what I'm going to fight for. Some of those things are here and there, like the changing the name of a building. Sure, that's totally fine. Where I take issue with it is... I would disagree that a lot of these statues are celebrations of these people. I think, if anything, it's a commemoration of what they stood for. Exactly. That's exactly what I said. But exactly, I think that's the point, is if we remove these symbols, and I, I totally understand the viewpoint where you see someone like, say, a Robert E. Lee statue, you know, you wouldn't want to see that every day, and I understand your reasoning for that. What I look at that and think of is not we're celebrating Robert E. Lee, but it's like, think of what he stood for and how far we've come and the adjustments that we've made. And I he think it's important. He stood for the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah exactly. He stood for the complete opposite reason why we're even the existing to this which exactly. was for slavery, which... And the thing with the removal yeah. of these statues is not that we're removing them and they're erased from history forever. Mm-hmm. They're moving them to museums where things okay. like yeah. statues are properly able to... It's not like we're deleting yeah, their be, history. You can still learn yeah. about them. You can still... Learn about them on the internet and museums and libraries, whatever, but I sure. don't need to be seeing that in my everyday walk like, to class. Just it doesn't make sense. Like Donald Trump, who like does not agree with immigration, a lot of Hispanic people have issue and take issue with Donald Trump. That's like erecting a Donald Trump statue at a predominantly Hispanic university. Like how does that make sense? You know what well, I mean? Well I would say I would say that that's different because there's no there's well, that, no value in his statue. Like I wouldn't see what there is would, to come there are Donald people Trump who for. would see value value in in his statue statue. i don't see value in a robert e lee statue but there are people who do see value in a robert e lee statue so that point is mute because there are people who have different values i don't see Mm -hmm. value in it you think that there's it's not that big of a deal that shouldn't it's not that i don't think it's a big deal the the thing that i think about is i hope i'm quoting this correctly but it's the statement where you say, if what I am saying were not to be true, then there's no harm in me saying it. But if what I am saying is to be true and I do not say it, then there is harm in me not saying it. So that's one of those situations where I see we look at this statue and everybody acknowledges 
what harm the Confederacy did. Not like, everyone. Yeah, not everybody does. Some people. I don't. Wish I don't that know. We could go back to the Confederacy. Maybe being you don't personally sure. know people, but there are people out there. Sure, but I would believe that those number of people are a minority to our larger society. That's but the we're minorities. Yeah. That's the thing. There are minorities in every sense. We're a minority, but there are people like that. Well, I have seen people driving around with Confederate flags in their trunk. It's not like it doesn't happen. It's not like I don't see it. I didn't mean minority in the sense of like like racial minorities well, no, but more like, like small racial, fraction yeah, yeah that's the thing a minority in terms of race is where a small fraction of the general population in that sure. sense you're saying they're a small fraction of the people a small fraction of people still support the confederacy like, say white people like i think there's a very 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 small percentage of white people who would still live and die by the confederacy i don't, I don't know how those. i don't think it's I, very I really, very very small it yeah. might be very small but it's not maybe very, small very visibly small. but in, you don't know what people are saying in their homes or what they support in private i think it'd be it's kind of like a an overestimation to assume that it's it, so i'd be nice small. if it was a small portion but i really don't believe that to be true at all well i think it would also be an overestimation to say that it's like a large portion we're not, not saying not, it's a large well, portion well, but we're not the way you said it's very 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 small portion of people i don't think it's that small that's like saying somebody would easily make the mistake of saying there's a very small small percentage of people who openly support white supremacists and then look at what happened with charl charleston or charlottesville yeah charlottesville yeah i would but i would use that as an example to the contrary i mean there were roughly 600 people at that event of most of those people some of them were spectators and i think well, those are the ones that came out. Those are the ones that actually came out. Yeah, public. okay. We can say that even the spectators were supporting, so we have 600 people of this one ideology. In this one location, but, but there's people in other cities and other That's a very specific example, states. and I think it made the news because it's such a, a rare example. Like, where are we seeing this in other cities? Like, I haven't seen this of recent Well, I'm glad we haven't else. seen it in yeah, other cities. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm very glad that this isn't, like, a common thing, but I look at that, and I'm like, and it's it's 600 people in like one city and nobody's going to listen to these people afterward but people do. people do like people were able to openly Trump voice saying like oh these are very fine people on um, both sides yeah him saying that he is in such an influential position that people listen to what he says people hang follow on to him every word and he has such a strong influence so there are people who now think that it's okay people who now maybe had these thoughts maybe looming in the back of their mind and now it's brought to it. the forefront now they think it's okay to act in a certain way they think it's okay to have these ideologies mm -hmm. so now they're acting on them and people would argue well trump he's not so bad he might say things that are wild but people overreact he just it's says what's just on his him. mind he like, has an influence on people i i think the him picking a side and saying that there's both people and great people on both sides like even that was that's another one of those stories that it was like taken out of context like, I, I, I would have to disagree i don't think context. there's anything really to take out of context he's asked about white supremacists and how he hasn't disavowed them and he says there were great people very fine people very fine people on, on both sides. sides but how can you be a white supremacist rallying in support for white nationalists and be a fine person how does that make sense well think about sorry repeat the question that you just asked me okay so trump trump was at a press conference mm -hmm. he was asked to disavow white supremacists and white nationalists instead he chose to say that there were fine people on both sides both sides meaning that the white supremacist white nationalist sides there was fine people on that side but how can you stand for white nationalists and white supremacy and be a fine person that's a contradiction right there see 
my take on it is him not disavowing it is not this statement that he's sympathizing with their ideas. I mean, you haven't asked me if I disavow white supremacy. You haven't asked me things. Was it your assumption that I was a white supremacist before that? Did you automatically assume because I haven't disavowed that? that no, I, I don't. Agreement? That's like saying I don't call every white person I see a racist in their mm-hmm. face. Like No, but like, like Trump was asked this. He's a president of the United yeah. States. So he's asked this question. He's in a position where he has a lot of influence. So and he, his repu- people's reputation are on the line. I'm sure if you had the reputation of yeah. being a racist, you would say, look, I'm not a racist. Am I right? Yeah. Like a lot of people who are saying like, oh, you know, they get accused of being a racist. They immediately jump to the defensive standpoint. Right. To me, if, if someone were to call me a racist, I'd say you're a jackass because there's no like, what do you have to build that off? But of? if somebody's constantly calling you a racist, a racist to the point where whenever people mention your name, oh, that racist dude. Wouldn't you want to clear the air and say, hey, look, guys, I'm not a racist versus just calling one person an asshole and just going about your day? Wouldn't you look and say, look, like there, this is, Trump has had this history. This and, is not just the first example. Yeah, he's had this history. So people are really wondering now, OK, this event has happened. What do you think about it? And he's saying there's very fine people on both sides. That doesn't make sense. If you're not against something, then you're complacent to it. Mm-hmm. He took a very neutral standpoint, which I didn't like, because if you think about it, there were people on one side who were looking at because charlottesville was a protest i believe i can't remember to what group it was it was the like, white supremacists that came out with tiki torches saying they I'm were saying sure. like jews will not replace yeah, us jews or something but us. didn't they get met by antifa or a, a group like from the other they, side of the spectrum yeah they were met by counter protesters and i think when he said there's great people on both sides he was looking at it as there's one camp that has animosity toward the other, and then there's this camp that has animosity toward the opposite. Like, they're both at each other's throats. And to make a statement of, well, this group is clearly better than another. And I I think he should have just made the statement. He's like, I'm not a fan of white supremacists. Like, he could have just said that. That's true. Exactly. He could have. He has and entire he staff that helps him with these things, and he yeah, didn't say that. But I don't, I don't look at him failing to say that as the statement that he stands with these people. Well, why not take that moment to disavow the the people? Somebody died that day. And even after the news bring it out, he still never said anything like white supremacists are bad. He didn't say that. Somebody lost their life. That's the big thing. Yeah. Even after people being like, Trump, why did, why did you not speak about this? Why did you not have an opinion against this? He Mm -hmm. still did not go on to say these were bad people. Yeah. And, Again, the way he handled it in that moment, I mean, you have to think about it. That's also not a question he would be immediately expecting. Like, I don't I didn't see the whole press conference, but I'm sure that someone probably stood up and was just like, hey, what do you think about the Charlottesville thing? Like without any preparation, it's but it's. But that's giving it's him the benefit an, of the doubt. It's been in the though. news, though. It's yeah. not like a random thing that, that happened just in up. that yeah. moment. Yeah, it he wasn't, knew about it. It wasn't totally like out of left field. But to be asked something like that, like you said, I I think think if you're president, to be asked something like that should be expected of you. I think that's making excuses for Trump. I find it hard to believe that if President Obama were under the same circumstances that people would be giving him the pass. Any other president, honestly. Disavowing white supremacists. I just find that hard to believe that people would want to give Trump a pass for not saying wrong is wrong and this is who's wrong. But I'm sure for Trump, he had. I'm sure he wasn't even informed of entirely what happened, like the full collection of what happened at those events. I'm sure that he was he, his press conference happened after the whole situation went down and somebody was killed. I don't think it'd be 
behoove any president to go up and speak before a whole event has been solved or yeah, finished it's not or some resolved. random small news thing it's national news he yeah. has an entire staff he has an entire cabinet it's not like he's working alone he has sure. people to inform him so to me that question isn't out of left field to be asking him that sure and i don't think it's i don't think it's completely out of the sphere of questions he could have been asked but for me like again i think it was I heard a lot of people, like, even from a conservative point of view that were like, well, that answer was kind of silly. Like, he could have, you know, in his mannerisms, he could have just been like, eh, white supremacist is not a fan. To me, it's not really about conservatives and Democrats or liberals. It's really just a fact of the matter of what happened and his response to it. Well, even even people I talk to, like, maybe not just conservatives alone, but people who voted for Trump, there's things like that who they'd say, it's like, okay, well, why didn't he say it? But I, I think it would be beyond me to take the extra step For me, I'm one of those people who thinks like, well, why didn't he just disavow them right then and there? But to take that question, and because I can't get the answer to it, assume that he didn't do it because he's a racist deep down would be a little bit of a stretch for me. To me, it's not a stretch because it's not a singled out situation. It's his action. His actions, his words for the past however many years it's been since he announced his his candidacy and before that. So to and, me, it's not this new idea, ideology that he has. It's something that has been time and time again mm-hmm. that has been proven. And well, he's never... And it, why, even when he was running for president, why didn't he disavow white supremacists that came out in support of Donald Trump saying that this is our candidate? Wouldn't it behoove him to say, to hey, I don't want to be associated be with any of that. People? These people are not people that I want to represent as the president of this country. Again, it, it goes to the responsibility that he has for his words and actions there could be people who come out and support him any number of ways, but can't change that. But he might yeah, be but, able to but you can you can distance yourself. He can easily if, if with you, two words or a few words. I do not support white supremacy. He can easily. What is so hard and in saying that? Distance himself. You, you're okay, acting like it's so, so difficult to distance yourself from something negative. If I had a reputation of something negative of me being a white supremacist or a black nationalist or something like that, clear it I up. would clear it up. But put it into it. That's that's an isolated issue. And I think about that. It's not difficult to distance yourself. But as the president, someone who's constantly in the spotlight, how many things do he, does he have to disavow himself from before we're satisfied? Too many. He's exactly. was a terrible candidate. Honestly, but, I think that there are so many things that came out about him that he never cleared up or people just gave him a pass for. Well, that's my problem is before the 2016 election, no one was talking about Donald Trump as a racist. Where did that come from? Because n- no one cared well, about he Donald wasn't, Trump. First of all, he like, was he never in the spotlight. He wasn't like, about been to... In the spotlight his entire not, not, not like not, this. He not wasn't like about this. to be the leader of when you the run United for, States. When you run for president, you get even more attention and spotlight than you would by yourself. Him being but, an isolated celebrity doesn't mean he has the same impact that he did back when he was a celebrity. Whenever you're brought into a higher platform, more eyes are on you. People dig into your past and they uncover things. The things that they uncovered about him um, when he was working at The Apprentice, they said that he said racist remarks and stuff like that. These stuff come into light. Okay, but was, for example, our the president before him, did Barack Obama, Did at any point, did anybody ask him all the same questions like, did he disavow yes. black supremacists? Yes, there was there was a there was a, so pa- there was a questioned the legitimacy of his. Part. Yes, Donald Trump people, pre- yeah. questioned that. People said so many things, terrible things about Obama, and he addressed these. Yes, things. and he disavowed them. There was a. This happens with every a presidential pastor. candidate. It doesn't matter if you go to Bush, if you go to Clinton. 
every presidential candidate is supposed to be vetted. Their history comes out, things come out about them. And if it's something that negative to the point of white supremacy, you can easily, easily disavow it. Even close to white supremacy, President Obama attended a church, I believe when he was in college or even when he was a senator. And this pastor was saying uh, things about white people and how there's white supremacists and all this kind of stuff. And they looked at him as a militant pastor. So as Obama was running, they asked him, like, what are your ties to this priest or this pastor? And will you disavow yourself from the messages that he said? And he, he did that. I don't get why it's so hard it's for Trump hard to do the thing. same thing or people make excuses for I would, him. I would say an example where I would say the other way is we have tons of pictures and records of Barack Obama meeting with a man named Louis Farrakhan. And Farrakhan is a known anti-Semite. He's made numerous comments. There's numerous videos of him making just the most rancid statements towards Jewish people. But I would never expect Barack Obama to step out and say that he disavows Louis Farrakhan. I would never put that expectation on him. I think if it was brought into question, I would put that expectation. I think you should have high expectations for your president. Yeah, you should have high expectations for people that you elect into office. Sure. Is that not a fair? Yeah, that's that's totally fair. leader of the country. I'm I'm just thinking of all the things, out of all the things he's responsible for, the thing that I would lose sleep over in terms of his responsibilities would not be that. It would be very low on the list. It wouldn't be that for you. Well, Um, that's, yeah. For me, it is. It's a huge thing because my racial identity is part of who I am. Mm-hmm. It is something that people can act negatively toward me about and use it as a justification. For their so, hatred, for, for their, their discrimination, hatred. for And anything. when your president is not going to say that that's a bad thing, people have this new like confidence in saying these things and acting in certain ways. So to me, it's very negative. I don't know if you can understand this because of who you are, but for me it hurts it's terrible it's a terrible feeling that the president of the country that i live in that i was born in is not saying that white supremacy is bad yeah i'm not saying that i don't see where you're coming from or that i don't acknowledge it like it's it's not a clear-cut you're saying it's not like a big thing it's not a big issue it's a values it's a values thing and it's not like there's one side i'm not going to claim that there's only one side of course I think what what an extension of this is, the real underlying value for me in this issue is I worry about how loosely we use the term racist nowadays. Because when I see someone who gains flack or criticism for anything, they get the whole they get the whole nine yards. They get that they're a racist, an Islamophobe, xenophobe, sexist, they get all of these tags all at once. And for me, there are some people who I've been listening to who are completely out of the sphere out of any discussion of race and they get accused of being a racist and i look at that i'm like well that's not fair like i've been following these people from both the left and the right and when i look at people get accused of being a racist you have to think for as many people as let's say like you claim that donald trump some of the things he says enables racists right yes so provokes conversely what if some of the ways that we categorize people are turning people onto people who might actually be racist? Like, they may be a racist or not, but simply by calling them a racist, we might be calling attention to people who don't deserve it. And the what I would say is, think about someone who is not controversial, like just a professor, right? And they have some findings, like say in sexual psychology, whatever, and they want to express it to the public, and they've been doing this for years. And then someone comes along and goes, well, hey, you're a sexist. And they accuse them of these things. 
And then the public's like, okay, well, let's, let's scrub this guy. And so then maybe there's some people, there's like 20% of the people who heard the story start listening and watching their content. And they go, well, wait a minute, this is, this guy's, or this woman's a totally normal person. They don't have any like prejudice or they don't have any complicated well, beliefs. Nobody's going to accuse you of something without any evidence. Like, I would disagree with that. I think that people will use these labels and these accusations to tarnish somebody's name. Well, freely. if you if you did something wrong, you deserve to be punished for the actions that are negative that affected yeah. people. But I'm I don't think there's just, anybody out there that says you're a racist. And yeah, we're gonna I'm not just seeing a person and saying, "Oh, proofs. you're racist, you're sexist, you're a homophobe." Whatever. And I think I'm yeah, not racist, just saying that people that right. are racist don't want to be held accountable, yeah. and that's what I think it is. There has I'm to not, be something that is invoking me to say that. I'm not going to say that out of the who blue. Does, I'm, who not, does I'm not accusing either of no, you. No, I'm not saying. Okay, in general, I really don't think people walk around or think their head this person's a racist for no reason with no grounds to say anything like that i don't think people do that some some of the examples that i would provide are say dave rubin dave rubin he used to run a podcast and he was he identified as left-leaning and has recently changed his political views he's brought on a lot of guests that have changed his mind to being more right-leaning and i followed him throughout this time and when he was left-leaning nobody made any comment about it i mean he's you know, he just sit, he does this thing where he sits down and talks with people. You can follow all of it. I mean, none of it's edited. It's two hours of speaking. You can look and scrub through all of it. Well, then he started changing his viewpoint to be more right-leaning. And suddenly you see all these articles. Dave Rubin's this anti-gay, anti-woman, all these things. I mean, he's a homosexual man himself. He if, just happens to be right-leaning. If but you're he gets part all of a tags. minority group, whether that has to do with your sexual identity or racial identity, that doesn't exclude you from being, um, say, I'm black. Sure. I, that doesn't exclude me from being a homophobe or sexist or whatever. If someone is gay, that doesn't exclude them from being... Um, yeah, and if you're course. a liberal, you, you can be a racist anything. liberal. You can be a homophobic, homophobic liberal. Yeah, like, I don't think. Well, what I'm simply, what I'm pointing out is not the fact that he. You're is pointing gay. out the change. It's the change yeah. that brought about all of these things. And when I looked at him, I only heard about like some people that I've been following over the past couple of years because they received all these labels. And when I go listen to their stuff. I don't see any hint of racism, sexism, whatever, but you have to understand this is dangerous because we expand the definition of racism to encompass people who aren't truly racist. And I think that that has the potential to enable actual racism more than anything because then when rubber hits the road and people who are actually racist get accused of being so, they can be like, well, I follow these people. They're not really racist. Like, you can go check them out. They're not really racist. Or they might use these people's ideology to defend their internal beliefs of racism. I'll just say Does this. Like, sense? nobody will accuse you of being a racist without any proof to back up what they're saying. Like, I've never... Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, nobody's going to cling on to the belief that somebody is some way without having proof or having seen evidence of them acting a certain way to prove that they are this way or that way. You that's, know what I mean? People that's where I would disagree. People aren't stupid. Like, people just don't cling on to these things blindly. I'm not going to believe something just because somebody says it and just go along with it. I'm going to do the research for myself, find out if it's true, and then have my own opinion at the end of the day. Like, I don't think people are just idiots. Like, well, to go you, would, and yeah, you I, would hope not. But now I think, again, like some of the discussion we had earlier with sensationalism, it is much more interesting to see a story where you have this public figure getting blown up and getting accused of being a racist than it is to just say, you know, this scientist has totally normal views about whatever. 
And like when I mean, somebody I think starts that's gaining traction, this is where you start getting these tags from. And it's not a matter of people having some reason. Like, yes, people will always have a reason. If you get called a racist, there's a reason for that. It's a matter of how valid is the reason. And I'm not going to assume that well, who's every to be the judge of that. Like what's racist to you might not even might not be racist to somebody else. Like you said that you've never experienced racism, so maybe it'd be hard for you to visualize or pinpoint oh something like that would be seen or could be seen as racist. You might listen to it and be like, What did he say? What's the harm in what he said? This PC culture is like getting out of hand, but other people might be offended by what he or she said. You know what I mean? That's possible and it, it all falls down to the responsibility that a speaker has and I think you can only go so far to avoid what people are going to perceive in your words and actions. But the people that I follow, they've all gotten these labels, but I look at them over and over and over again. I mean, a great example is Dr. Jordan Peterson. He is so controversial and I'm sure some people maybe listening to this may think that this guy, you know, Jordan Peterson, there's a lot of problems associated with him. I just finished his book, 12 Rules for Life. Mm -hmm. I've watched tons and tons of his lectures online and I have seen the things that he believes and the things that he teaches people are the exact opposite. It's moving away from the, these prejudices and the sexism and he has so much respect for every group. But he doesn't have to blatantly say that, nor does he. He doesn't say in the book, he doesn't go, well, I am not a racist or whatever. Exactly. But, if you're not a racist, you shouldn't have to say, I'm not a racist. Yeah. Exactly. And he's not. Well, but, I will say where there's smoke, there's fire. People aren't going to label you things if there's not any valid evidence to prove their point. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And that I would just be cautious about what people are taking as evidence or look at the context of what their beliefs are like a I lot of these I'm very cautious in me that too term. like i don't i i give people the benefit of the doubt there's with these phones and technology that we have it's so easy to cross-reference and fact check things and don't believe blindly everything that you see yeah. and i i have faith that people really do do that so like the people that you said are being accused of racism i'll, I'll take the time to research what they've said and sure. then i'll make the judge of whether or not they're racist or not but yeah like that's that's the homework that I'll do so I can yeah, figure I mean, it out for myself because when there's smoke there's fire so if there's smoke I'll see yeah what I would what I would recommend to up. anybody is definitely look at Jordan Peterson's lectures I mean he's got so much not advice but teachings that help people throughout their day-to-day -day lives that I was shocked like reading his book I mean his book changed my life basically and a lot of people think all oh, his books ridiculous or whatever and I'm like well read it and see what kind of value you get from it because these he has just gotten so much flack like it, there's people who in interviews he had an interview where the woman literally told him before they went on you and i are going to war when we step out there and i was like well that's not fair like this guy has said nothing like he's he's not attacked you in any way but he gains so much negative public attention and i just don't see it so i'm one of those people who i'm looking and i'm like i'm reevaluating over and over and over again and it frustrates me because there's still people who are like, this guy's a sexist, this guy's a racist, or this guy uses these things. And I'm like, he has so much to offer, but people lock themselves out of the possibility of experiencing his teachings, or anybody else for that matter, anybody. You should always assume the person you're listening to knows something that you don't. So a lot of people, I think, have forfeited that in, in the name of 
you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. This guy got called a racist. Clearly, he's got something on his name or she's got something on her name. Yeah, it's, I, it's I very dangerous, I'll say, to just blindly believe everything. That's mm -hmm. why my advice to everybody listening is to cross-reference everything, double-check, make sure, sure that you're looking at everything before you go and make accusations against somebody. But, yeah. I think we have one last question for you, sure. and then I think that'll be it. Our question is basically, do you see color? Do you believe in the term of colorblindness. What do you mean by colorblindness? When it comes to race. When it comes to race. People say they're colorblind. I don't see race. Everyone's the same. I would say that, obviously, like, I literally see race. Like, I can see people's race as a feature. But as far as how that impacts my behavior or my thoughts of them, not at all. So in that way, you could say that I'm colorblind. And that comes from... A number of different experiences, teachings, beliefs, whatever I've learned, even my upbringing, it's I have never, ever been taught or suggested to think that race should have any bearing on the people that I make friends with, people that I converse with, people that I work with, anything. And it's, I mean, thank God my parents never made any of those suggestions or, you know, they instilled that value in me that it's not a problem, but they never had to stop and tell me. Like, hey, don't worry about race. Like, race isn't a problem. They never told that to me. It's just mm -hmm. something that I gathered. You know? Like, for me, like, I, I never had that experience. Mm -hmm. Like, with my parents telling me not to see race or that race doesn't exist. My parents, like, always tell me to be conscious of everything, especially when it comes to police and stuff like that. So would you yeah. say that because your parents told you that stuff growing up, that that would be seen as a privilege to where you don't have to think about race when you live your day-to-day -day life? Uh, like, what do, you, what do you mean my parents having told me what? You said that your parents never had to tell you, like, about race. It's just something that you said. Yeah, it was never a comment that they made. Um, I would say like, that that's a privilege. For some people, their parents do have to sit them down and explain to them how their race is going to impact their lives. How the world how works. How the world works, how people may act against them, because it's not something that you can control, because... For you, it may not impact you in the same way that it impacts me or Justin, because it's a conversation that needs to be had in certain communities, especially in Black communities in the terms of police. It's mm -hmm. something, a conversation that needs to be had. Mm -hmm. See, uh, some people would suggest that I haven't gotten to talk from my parents, but with, like, in regards to police, but... My father being a police officer, I hear it over and over and over again. But about... we're not suggesting that. You just said that. What do you mean? You just said that you like your parents never talked to you about it. No, they didn't talk to me about race, but uh, police and your attitude around the police was a totally separate topic. Well, it's not. For us, it's not separate. It's kind of integrated in the yeah, terms and it, of it race. Yeah, it may be, but to me... When my parents taught me about the police, that's why I said, like, when I'm when I'm around the cops or when I get pulled over, I'm not I'm not relaxed. Like, I'm very much, you know, I know exactly what I need to do. My father taught me exactly what to do. And it's, you know, take out your license, hands on 10 and 2, windows rolled down, like registration out, like all of these things. And my dad had told me, he's like, you're going to say yes, sir, no, sir, officer. And he's like, you're going to understand that a lot of these guys are assholes. He's like, I work with a lot of them. So you need to be aware that at any given time. They can, you know, start acting unruly or whatever. Like, my parents warned me of the same thing. And I've heard a lot of people who get that same talk from their parents. Well, like, I, I think that's great. Like, I think yeah. our thing with colorblindness is that for some people that their race is part of their identity um, and it matters to people for 
I'm not saying that you said this, but some people say that you can just ignore it. I don't think you can ignore it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's very you can dangerous, em- actually. Maybe you can embrace it, but I wouldn't say to ignore it and act as if it doesn't exist. Oh, Because yeah. it's part of people's identity. Especially American society. Like, you yeah. cannot go anywhere without race being involved. Like, it's just ingrained into our culture, and that's I, just how the world works. I would agree with you that the people who just say, like, you know, race never made a difference, it's not a big deal, like that, those... That's the I, I would be cautious. I'd be cautious because problem. I feel like, for me, I've experienced both. I've experienced this upbringing of it not being a priority, mm-hmm. but also being in an environment where I've been told that it was a priority, I've seen both sides and I'm at the point where I'm, I look at it and I'm like, it's not a priority in my friendships, in my relationships, whatever you want to say. And that's why I think it's important that we come here today to have these conversations Mm because it's so important to get the other viewpoint to see how other people think. So you can not only understand what other people are saying, but understand each other when it comes to communicating and just getting along in this divisive world that we live in so yeah the point of today's episode is just getting a different perspective and learning from one another because if you're not learning from one another you can get into these like dangerous group think bubbles and the other side is wrong yeah. the side is right we just have to like learn how to accept each other's differences we didn't agree on everything today mm-hmm. and that's fine we're not going to agree on everything but we just have to understand where each other is coming from yeah. and think when we understand that we can go far in learning about you know yeah i think the, the great thing works. is is like we can identify a problem like all three of us we can look at these things from our perspectives and identify what the issue is mm-hmm. and the great thing about i feel like the things that i've been exposed to especially here at college and just in my upbringing is i would suggest put yourself out there like look at look at both sides and see have a real understanding that it's like i fall in the middle like i'm genuinely here you know that's like what we talked about earlier someone's accused of being a racist like scrub all of their stuff like look at all of this stuff and Mm -hmm. if they are racist then move along yeah you know racism is not cool to our generation so a lot of us do agree on that we agree on these values that we need to be progressive as a society Mm -hmm. so so what is your what is your takeaway from today takeaway from today i would say a lot of what i felt before that we can get along like in disagreement and getting a better perspective definitely a better understanding of some of the controversial topics like say the statues or political correctness Mm -hmm. you know i've done a lot of work to explore those things but hearing the individual cases is important to me as well Mm -hmm. so that's that would be my takeaway is just more of that exposure and more of that empathy with the other side do you have any final thoughts This is an interesting conversation. Um, like Grayson said, there are a lot of things that we don't agree on. Um, and I think the point of this conversation was for you guys, you listeners, to maybe open up your mind a little bit. Maybe open your mind and have these conversations in your life. Um, whether they're friends or acquaintances or family members, have these conversations because they need to be had. All right, so now we're going to transition into listener letters. We have a couple letters this week. So, Grayson, you'll help us in answering these two. Sure. So, our first letter, we always give these people an African name. So, what name should we give this first person? Oh, I was thinking about the Yoruba name. Oh. uh, Yinka. Yinka? Yeah. Oh, Yinka. All right. So, this letter is from Yinka. So, Yinka says, how do you go about telling your best friend that you don't like their significant other, or do you keep it to yourself in order to keep your friendship not awkward and make them choose between you and them? Ooh, I like this one. Um, uh, 
I think Good. that this can very easily go wrong. I feel like if your friend is really into their significant other, then they're probably going to choose their significant other over you, depending on y'all's friendship. Or y'all might have a little bit of an awkward patch, and that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It depends on how bad or the reasons for you not liking their significant other. If it's, like, really problematic things versus you just not liking their personality and not liking them. Mm-hmm. Like, and... you're going to have to let that go. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, this isn't so much with significant others. It's more so with friends. So I've been in situations where I get along with my friend really well, but his friends or her friends, I don't I don't vibe with at all. Mm-hmm. So I guess how to go along with, like, having a healthy relationship with your friends if you don't like their friends or significant other, I would say... You don't always have to hang out with yeah. that significant other. I guess if they're always around, that gets complicated, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I feel like if you guys, if you want to stay friends, then maybe don't make it like a conflict. But do you ever, would you ever bring it up like, hey, I don't like so-and-so? If it was a serious thing, like, oh, I don't like you with so-and-so and I don't like them because they're this way and they're that way and I don't think that's a healthy relationship or a healthy person to be around, yes. then I would bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's more like, uh, I'm not vibing with them, then I let probably it go. wouldn't bring it yeah, up. Yeah, just let it go. I probably we, wouldn't bring it up. Well, yeah, that I think that that's a perfect wrap up for this episode. Um, don't forget to follow us at Polar Opposites Pod on Instagram. Yeah, send us your questions or email us at polaropposites.pod at gmail.com. And we're on Apple Podcasts, so if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe, because if you don't subscribe, you'll never know when we have a new episode out. Yeah, stay updated. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, and thank you for joining us, Grayson. We really appreciate it. Thank you all so much for having me.